Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about the introduction of technology that that we are so comfortable with today. And it is so commonplace that it's hard to think about a time when it didn't exist. And that is the introduction of the telephone systems. Now, the early days of telephone, as many may still remember, were the landline systems or telephone exchanges. And then, of course, over time it has developed into what we know today as the smartphone, that we carry a phone in our pocket with wireless technology. But way back in the late 1800s, telephones did not exist within communities. So we're going to explore some of that history today as it was introduced into the city of Battle Creek back in 1882. So come along and join me. So I will be using a reference today from a newspaper article that I found that was published in 1916 on January 1st. And it was in a newspaper called The Evening News in Battle Creek, Michigan. Now they were doing a very special edition on New Year's Day in 1916 for this newspaper. And the newspaper was filled with stories of all sorts of topics on local history of the community. And one of the pages was dedicated to the history of the telephone and when it was introduced in the city. And the article begins, Picture in your mind a hustling little community of 11,000 people without telephones, without streetcars, without waterworks systems, without electric lights, and that could boast only a few blocks of paving in its business district. Stretch in your imagination enough to make the thriving, prosperous, up-to-date city of Battle Creek shrink to such meager proportions, and you have a glimpse a Battle Creek as it appeared in 1882. Now, remember this article was written in 1916, and Battle Creek was about three or four times that size at that point. But back in 1882, there was about 11,000 people. Now, the year of 1882 was a great year in the history of Battle Creek. The city was booming. Rumors of projects of all sorts were traveling all over the city and they were projects to give the city a great increase in population and it filled the air and the columns of the newspapers with gossip and topics and discussion and the more progressive of battle creek citizens who had been in other cities and had witnessed the use of streetcars and taken part in streetcars riding around town as well as used telephones and various other applications of electricity, wanted their hometown to enjoy this new 19th century revolution in instrumentation and technology. And the backflash, if you might call it, in the newspapers was pretty aggressive. People didn't want to make these changes. There were people that wrote into a newspaper called The Citizen that said, Permit streetcars to run down our streets and kill our citizens? Never! 
allow a telephone company to erect long, lean, lank poles along our streets and stretch wires from pole to pole to attract the lightning and to bring endless woe upon us? Never! And these were some of the declarations that would show up in the newspaper when it was ever mentioned or suggested that a streetcar system be introduced into Battle Creek or much less a telephone system. Now, the streetcar system at that point in history was not the trolley cars. It was a system that was being adopted by city after city to put in railroad tracks and this is a transportation system that was similar to the railroads. Railroads did exist at that time, but these were track systems put through, typically right through downtowns, and they had carts that were put on these tracks, carriages called cars or street cars, and they were pulled by horses. So the first interurban or trolley car system, as you may call it, were these cars that were pulled by horses and that was a system that was introduced into Battle Creek early on around the 1882 time period when this article was being discussed and there was a whole different development and a whole different group of investors that put the tracks in and put the cars in and, and had the horses pulling the wagons and set up the the timelines and the systems so people would know when they could catch the interurban or the trolley car system uh, which they called the streetcar system at that time. And around this same time, there were investors that wanted to bring telephones to the community because they could see the potential value. Although citizens that had always lived without telephones couldn't see any potential use for them and thought it was more of a fad. And I think we can all perhaps recall this sort of thing in our own lifetimes when new products or services were introduced and certain things were indeed fads and other things actually stuck around a lot longer. I think when the internet came around, people that, that I was speaking with, when I took a keen interest in learning about it because I could see the potential that this was going to be an e-commerce future 10, 20 years down the road, and that those that understood it a little bit more early on were going to have a better time navigating through that system. But there's still people today that believe the internet was a fad and never jumped on board. And there were people that didn't jump on board online until, you know, four or five years ago, even though the internet has been around for quite a long time uh, since the 1990s now. So the same thing was going on when they introduced telephone systems. And it has a very interesting history in the early establishment of the telephone in the town. So among a lot of people that were protesting the idea, there was one man in Battle Creek that saw the potential of it and was a little bit more of a broad thinker, and that was Fire Chief John Bonnet. And he could see the potential for the telephone system. From his viewpoint, being in charge of the fire department, that it could save time by raising an alarm about a fire on the other side of town if somebody could make a telephone call. And so he had this great vision that he could bring the telephone system to Battle Creek. So in 1882, Bonnet decided that Battle Creek could have this improvement of a telephone system. And he'd heard much about this invention, uh, and he wanted to make sure that it found its way into existence in his hometown. 
and he learned that Kalamazoo had a small telephone exchange, and so he went over there to learn about how it was put together. And he was really impressed with the system. So he arranged to have the manager of that exchange come over to Battle Creek and install three or four telephones in Battle Creek for demonstration purposes. So he put one at his residence and he had one in his shop. And I think he had another over at the fire department. And so they gave demonstrations of this system to citizens of the community. And people came flocking over to hear it being demonstrated and to hear its use and hear the voices coming across the wire. But there were those that even witnessed the demonstration of the system that were shouting and saying in the newspaper loudly that this would be never anything more than a plaything. And it had scant possibility of ever being put into widespread practical use. But Mr. Bonnet was not dismayed by this attack on the idea. And he was determined that Battle Creek would have a telephone system. And he believed in the possibilities of the telephone. And he was determined at that point after the demonstration that Battle Creek should have its own telephone exchange. So after two months of demonstrating the telephone system, the three telephones were removed. And the city was again without a single telephone line. And Mr. Bonnet wrote to the Bell Telephone Company for information on what he should do to get a telephone exchange started. And a man by the name of Mr. Fred Judson came from Elkhart to interview Mr. Bonnet, and he told him that if he could get 50 subscribers and could get 50 people within the community to agree to be connected to the telephone, that the Bell Telephone Company would build an exchange in Battle Creek. So Mr. Bonnet decided to set himself to this task, and he found it uh, a little difficult at first when he began the undertaking. And he put it in the newspaper in The Citizen in June, on June 17th of that year, and they reported back that he had secured between 20 and 30 subscribers, and he wanted to get it up to 40 to complete his list and establish it as a good firm operation and have a paying basis for people that had the telephone in their homes or in their businesses. Now, looking back, you might say, wow, that was quite a, an undertaking for him to put that together. And we also take for granted that at in present day, we all have phones in our pocket. And I don't think it's unreasonable to say that almost everybody you encounter has a telephone with them. And it's just customary. Can you imagine at a time when no one had telephones and you had to go and sell them on this idea? And that was what Chief John Bonnet was facing. So he kept working at it. He kept convincing people to sign up. And it took a little bit of time. But after a while, he was able to get the telephone exchange established. And he had some support by the late... William C. Gage, who was a mayor of Battle Creek at the time, and another gentleman by the name of Charles Hogue, who was the town marshal. And they were very much interested in the venture, and they did what they could to help him succeed. And several members of the city council fought the proposition, and they even started um, an injunction to prevent them from installing the poles when the exchange was being established. But Mr. Bonnet and his assistants were a little bit more clever than their opponents in the city council. 
and they arranged to have the telephone poles set up in the dead of night and then one fine morning the opposition woke up and they found telephones and telephone lines all throughout the city in working order and it was a very interesting story so that even the detroit news commented on it on july 29th of that year the citizens of battle creek who sought to oppose the erection of the line of telephone systems in that city were too slow and while they slumbered and slept the man who had charge of the work put up his poles and instruments and had them working and the moral of that story was written as remember telephone men can get along with very little sleep so apparently the precedent was set in the early days of the telephone business and that had been a rule in practice ever since for men who work for the telephone company that the matter of fact the telephone men never stop for sleep when wires or lines are out of service or the wires are down and they are in need of repair and even to this day when we're all recovering from a massive storm and there's been a blackout because the telephone lines are down or the electric wires are down and in the case of the uh, consumers power and that sort of thing and in our area these guys who work the lines are uh, working hard to get them reestablished, and that's the same thing back in the day when landline telephones were the main form of telephone communication so today we rely on cellular towers and that sort of thing but you get the idea the servicemen that worked on the telephone line even the ones that worked on the power lines had a work ethic that was established early on in that industry so through his efforts and persistence, Mr. Bonnet and the others who helped invest in the Battle Creek Telephone Exchange were f finally in operation in July of 1882. And the Telephone Exchange was located on what was known as the Thomas Block on the corner of Main and Jefferson Street in Battle Creek. Now Jefferson Street is now McCamley Street and Main Street is now Michigan Avenue. So it would have been on that block of uh, buildings near that intersection that the first telephone exchange for the Battle Creek was established. And the first telephone to be connected with the exchange was installed at the Hotel Williams, which later became known as the Clifton House. The engine house, one of the fire stations, which stood uh, where the old National Bank building, or one of the bank towers now stands, was the second telephone line in town. A man that worked with Chief Bonnet in the um, fire department was named W.P. Weeks, and he recalled that the telephone was slow to gain general favor, as a lot of people still thought that it would not come into general use. But then a few merchants downtown subscribed to the service. And at first, not all the other merchants were paying attention. But then when the merchants that had telephones started to get more of an edge over their competitors and being able to advertise their telephone number in their newspaper advertising, and some of the citizens of Battle Creek were connected to the system in their home they were able to call in for services say at the grocer or other dry goods stores and so forth and place their orders and this gave the competitors that had them in their merchant stores a competitive advantage so soon after all the merchants in the downtown area battle creek decided hey we need to get on with this as well and they all had 
telephones installed in their place of business. And so this is sort of how it grew as the few people that were using it saw the practicality of it and gained an edge over their competition. And suddenly everybody wanted to come on board and have a telephone installed in their business. But the growth in the residential home market for this new telephone exchange didn't really take off until about January 6, 1886, when a particular incident happened. And this is when the community and neighbors saw the potential and the value of having one in their own homes. And this is when a fire alarm for a fire was received over the telephone for the very first time. And Mr. Weeks, who was working at the fire station, states in the records that at 9.56 p.m. that evening on January 6th, 1886, the department was informed by telephone that the residence of R.B. Merritt on 9 Maple Street was on fire, and the department was able to lose no time in getting there and arrived at the scene in much quicker time, and the damage was confined to just $350, which in prior times would have been that the building had almost all burned down by the time the fire department was notified by somebody running up to Ma- from Maple Street all the way to the fire station downtown and notifying them and then they're having time to get ready and go. So the time that the telephone saved them was demonstrated to the community and suddenly this started cluing in residents up and down Maple Street in areas that were farther away from the downtown area that they really should look at getting connected to the telephone exchange. And this article goes into explaining that before the telephone, as it became known with the exchange, was in existence in Battle Creek and elsewhere, there were a lot of youthful amateurs who had read about telephones and these improvised talking devices, and they busied themselves with short little experimental projects to establish their own private lines. And one of the most successful of these in the early days of experimenting with telephone by Battle Creek was a young man who was a sort of a electrical wizard or became one as he got older. His name was Howard Daly. He lived at the time at uh, 481 West Main Street. And he was a mere lad in his teenage years at the time. But he became interested in telephone and all things electrical. And he had the distinction of constructing Battle Creek's first successful telephone line. It consisted of a copper wire connecting two drum heads open at one end, and they were fastened to the window frame. And these lines were connected from the home that he lived in to a gentleman by the name of Parker, who lived on 23 Green Street. Mr. Daly demonstrated that the telephone line worked, and it was basically connecting to a boarding house. And so the owner of the boarding house saw it in operation and saw that it was practical, so he had him install another wire to another one of his houses. And so that was the first example of noted history of a telephone wire being connected between two different houses in Battle Creek. And it was all done by a young man who was just fascinated with this new technology and apparently that little drum over the copper wire system seemed to work fairly well but that would be probably the earliest telephone in the city before the telephone exchange was established that was pushed forward by john bonnet 
So after the telephone exchange was established in the Battle Creek area, the attention then was directed to the possibility of connecting the city with Marshall because there was located the county seat. So Mr. Bonnet came forward with a proposal about the project and declared in the newspaper The Citizen that he wanted to take on this project and he needed people to pledge money to make this happen. And the first article, there was enough money pledged to really get the thing rolling, but it wasn't enough to complete the entire establishment of the line. He'd gotten $200 committed or pledged to the project, but the practicality or the size of the project was a little bit too daunting, and the money became slow after that initial article. So he sent the article to the newspaper, proposed the idea, got 200 bucks, but he needed probably about three times that to pull off the project. So it took quite a while to get the funds raised to make that possible. But Mr. Bonnet was a hardened veteran of this project by this time, and he continued to overcome the obstacles that were put in his way to getting the project done, and he managed to complete it one year later in 1883. And Battle Creek was given its first telephone connection to the outside world at that time when they were able to make a telephone call to Marshall. And that became the first long-distance telephone call made from Battle Creek in 1883. And from there on, Battle Creek was able to connect with other cities through the connected exchanges that became the Michigan State Telephone Company. And they were able to make calls all the way to Detroit. And of course, then they were able to suddenly make phone calls to somebody in Maine or in San Francisco as time went on. And more and more people got on to the telephone exchanges and each of the smaller communities started their own exchanges and so on, and it became possible to sit in the comfort of your own home and have a conversation with somebody on the other side of the country, which was a revolutionary marvel for those people living in that time period. So as the Battle Creek Telephone Exchange Company began to grow and there was a lot more subscribers, the company outgrew its original headquarters, and then in 1890, larger quarters were needed. Battle Creek Exchange was moved from its quarters on the Thomas Block to a suite of three rooms in the Annex Block on South Jefferson Avenue. Then in 1900, Mr. E.P. Platt took over the Bell Company's Battle Creek office, and at that point, it had about 600 telephones that were in use in the city. But within about a year, Mr. Platt had increased that number to roughly 1,400, establishing a record for the development of the telephone exchange in smaller cities. By 1905, the number of subscribers to the telephone system had grown to over 2,500 people. Now, the Bell Telephone Company produced the actual physical telephones, and the Battle Creek Exchange was the one that facilitated the lines and the services. And there were other telephone companies producing the telephone, but by about 1916, when this article was written, 87% of the people in Battle Creek had a Bell telephone, and there were 6,200 telephones in the city. And the importance of the telephone system was put to the test when a major rain, ice storm, and sleet storm filled with snow following behind it came in March of 1911 and it damaged a lot of the telephones and took down a lot of the telephone poles with the heavy snows 
and caused a lot of uh, damage within the city and cut the communication lines with a lot of people around town. And this point in history, people were getting accustomed to using the telephone, and suddenly there was no telephone. And so the need for the telephone became very real to its subscribers. And the city partnered with the Battle Creek Telephone Exchange to help them reestablish the lines around the city and make the repairs that were needed in record time. And within about a three to four day period, they had all of the telephone lines reestablished in the aftermath of that storm. And a lot of local businesses chipped in to help with the repair efforts. The Battle Creek Steam Pump Company provided pumps to pump out the water in flooded areas so that the new poles could be reset. And there were roughly 600 repairs made to the wires during that repair effort following the storm. And the Nichols and Shepherd Company also helped out with providing equipment and pumps to help with the repair efforts of the wires throughout the uh, city until all power was restored. And they had about 300 poles to reset during that time. So there were linemen from all parts of the state that came into Battle Creek following that storm to help reestablish the telephone lines in the city. And one interesting way that the city got labor for that effort was they emptied the jails of all the prisoners and set them to work alongside the companies that the city officials had hired. And so they used the prisoners in the jail cells as a labor force. Now, there's an interesting story about Mr. Platt during his days of running the Battle Creek Telephone Exchange. He was aware of a woman by the name of Fanny Reynolds, who had been a wonderful philanthropist throughout the city, and she had come to being ill and was somewhat of an invalid, and she couldn't leave home or leave her bed. But she enjoyed going to the St. Thomas Episcopal Church for services, and could no longer attend. So Mr. Platt proposed the idea of installing a telephone inside the St. Thomas Episcopal Church, and he did so, and he made sure that the line was connected so that he could also connect a line into Mrs. Fanny Reynolds' home. And he did this at his own expense, and he surprised her one day by showing up at her home and plugging in the telephone, holding the telephone to her ear so that she could hear the church service. And she was so surprised by this and was overcome with uh, joy and uh, by being able to hear the choir sing, Onward Christian Soldiers. And he had that as a profound memory of his early days with the telephone exchange when he gave an interview for the article that was written in 1916. And he described that Mrs. Reynolds was also able to listen to the Easter services later on that year and faithfully was able to attend church because of what he did by installing a telephone in her home. So I thought that was a very nice and special story to look back at. And the Battle Creek Telephone Exchange was a great employer during its time. It had at one point 85 employees and 63 of them were local operators that handled the telephone calls. So when you called in, you said you wanted somebody, you had to talk to an operator and they connected with you with that operator. It wasn't like dialing a phone number as easy as it is today. And there were a lot of party lines and different uh, 
houses and rooming houses and hotels and that sort of thing. So there was a lot of people employed by the Battle Creek Telephone Exchange Company as a result of this new technology that was introduced. And it was all driven by the efforts of the one man who had been the fire chief. And his name, once again, was Chief John Bonnet. And that's going to conclude today's journey through history, looking at the history of the telephones in Battle Creek. I found this to be a fascinating look at the introduction of new technology over time. And I think as new technology comes about, there's always a bit of that resistance to it. I, I know I've experienced that in myself. Uh, when the new iPhones came out and I was used to the flip phones, I just said, ah, those things will never take off. Who would want all that on their phone? And of course, now everybody has one and it's hard to live without it sometimes, you know, with the cameras and the pictures and the ability to send email right from your phone and all of the things that a flip phone didn't really offer very well. And I think that happens with every advancement in technology. And there's always a bit of resistance at first and skepticism that uh, keeps people from jumping on board. It. And then there's also technology that comes about that people jump on board and never really takes off. And it was kind of a flop or a dud. And there's plenty of examples of that through history as well. But that being said, it's still a fascinating look at something like the telephone and when it was introduced in southwest Michigan and Battle Creek was just one little microcosm of one of the towns that went through the adaption of new technology during that time. So if you like today's story, please take a minute to leave a review on whatever app that you are listening on. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.